G'day guys, welcome back to yet another episode of Caleb's Conversation Podcast. Uh, it's been a while and yet we're back, ready to go. And uh, today I have brought on the one and only Harry Cable, a good friend of mine. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Excited to be on, finally. Mm. So you and I uh, got to know each other a little bit through film school. Yeah. And then we got to know each other a lot more because we've been working together uh, in the sport broadcasting industry. And yeah. uh, we work with similar companies and stuff like that. So yeah. uh, we've had similar experiences in the in recent times. So, um, But before we kind of uh, address what's been happening in recent times, I want to hear from you because you were originally from Darwin, correct? Yes. And yes. then you moved from your, you and your family moved up to Brisbane. So, um, what up, was we moved down? We moved down. True, Geography. true. Moved down to Brisbane. Um, so, yeah. What was the motivation for coming well, down? My parents moved before me. I didn't live with them, and then they kind of said, "Brisbane's cool. Come down," because um, Darwin is. Well, it's good to grow up in. There's not much opportunity there, so it's a bit, a bit of a small town. Um, decided to come to Brisbane and just see what happens. Didn't really have a like a motivation but yeah like a well, when did you motivation. move down what what age In, when i was like 21 okay so, yeah about 2016 yeah about then and yeah just decided brisbane seemed cool um yeah i've been to melbourne a few times tossed that up but melbourne's it's such a big such a massive city and mm. i'm kind of glad i didn't move to melbourne yeah it's kind of a big culture shift moving from it a small is. town of darwin to the big yeah. city life of melbourne I, I can imagine that would be quite intimidating yes because i've been a brisbane boy my whole life so yeah um i'm very familiar with the kind of the ins and outs of the different areas and stuff so yeah um okay because then you came to brisbane and then when did you decide you were going to come to film school here at griffith <sighs> film school um, was that straight away after no, or was it kind it was of a like, doing a few few odd jobs full-time jobs and just like trying to figure out what's going on and i don't know went to a few few uni open days and was like okay, oh, okay so yep. don't really know what i wanted to do but something in the creative industry and yeah it was kind of just a, a bit of a leap of faith of just i just wanted to do something and kind of just yeah film school Expression kind of creative just, side. Yeah, not like yeah, okay. I wanted to be making movies all the time. Didn't want to be like a f- full-time director or you know, I wasn't interested in, 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 in it that much. I do love movies, but that wasn't my main interest. It was mainly just acquiring skills and meeting people and learning stuff. And yeah, it was kind of just needed to just do something. Yeah, get the ball rolling almost. Yeah, it's a great way to kind of expand your knowledge and uh, learn new things and I think film school is a great way of doing that because it's yeah. like a very tacti- tactile um, physical labor type thing yeah. it's not like accounting or something where you're kind no. of stuck behind a computer or anything no. like that so from that respect I actually really like kind yes. of being creatively uh, engaged and uh, physically doing stuff and keeping yourself on the move and always energized and stuff especially when you're working with people who are also feed off your same vibe yeah. and you can kind of work together in a really uh, fun environment and then yeah. make something really cool at the end of it so yeah um, we're definitely always active yeah definitely exactly. always doing stuff and yeah there were some theory aspects but it was mainly practical which mm. yeah I'm and the not, theory yeah. aspects were never my favorite i no. always preferred to be actually physically doing stuff yeah. at film school that's why i came to film school i wanted to learn how to make movies i didn't want to sit in a classroom thinking right so this is how a movie makes its way to the big screen i'm like yeah. yes this is important and I understand why it's relevant, it. but it's always the least interesting parts yeah. of a filmmaking course, if you know what I mean. So, yeah. yeah. Um, True. What were your thoughts of the film school experience and, and did you enjoy yourself while you were there? 
for the three or so years? Yeah. Yeah, except for the last last year, which was COVID affected. Yeah, during 2020. Yeah. That was a bit frustrating. It kind of felt like we were robbed of a certain aspect, of a, a communal aspect of film school. We were kind of, it felt like a shell of itself, um, not being able to come in here and, and, and do, you know, do the things that we were doing for the previous two years, which was most of the time just hanging out at school. Um, that was like some of the most enjoyable parts. Um, and then... The end of the year, which kind of came back to normal, was was pretty fun. Yeah, but I feel like we missed out on a certain amount of um, interacting with people that are, you know, your friends from the last two years. But yeah, I'd say the first year, you're, you're just kind of getting your bearings. You're just figuring out what what's happening, what's what's going on. Like, you know, you're <laughs> a bit nervous. You're a bit like, uh, I'm not sure who my friends are gonna be. Like kind of finding your footing sort yeah, of thing yeah. yeah everyone's like um i think every every week it was like so now these are my friends and then no 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 these are my friends and then and then you realize that you should stop worrying about that and just worry about the assignments yeah and you're, it'll just naturally kind of happen like who you gravitate to will be your friends mm. i actually had a kind of a similar experience because yeah like i feel in first year second year and third year i kind of had distinct people that i was kind of surrounded with constantly yeah. And uh, I felt like that was also a result of the courses and uh, the types of assessment I was doing. And uh, one of the things that I am so grateful for was the classes that I did that were so team-based and so uh, teamwork-orientated, such as like TV, studio, and uh, outside broadcast. Those type of classes where you have a full group of people who are all striving towards one goal. And they've all got their own individual roles and responsibilities. But I felt like just working in that environment Mm. was so much more enjoyable because you'll actually have like sort of a camaraderie moving in towards a project together as opposed to like one of those other like uni assessments where it's like three or four people and you kind of just have to get this done in order to submit it for a a grade. You know what I mean? Yeah. People complain about group assignments when they're in like an accounting degree, they're like, oh, I hate group assignments. I have to do one a semester. I'm like, I have to do one every week. Yeah, like exactly. Our entire, cl- our entire course is one big group assignment. So, but that was that was good. It's definitely, that's probably one area that has uh, translated into a real world application. I agree, yeah. Being able to deal with people that you don't like or, yeah, just being able to be genuine with people that you do. Yeah, and work with people who, you know, you might not necessarily get along with but also can still work together in a productive manner. Yeah. I think that's very important because, you know, like even through my time at film school, there was a few, like, interesting characters, I think we would both agree. Interesting. And, uh, like, you know, sometimes it's, like, not ideal and, you know, sometimes you'll come across some people who don't pull their weight or don't, you know, contribute as much as others. But, you know, that's where you kind of just have to, you know, pull yourself up and be yeah. like, all right, well, we need to get this done in order to reach X, Y, Z deadline or accomplish this goal. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if assuming the, the majority of people are also in that same mindset, then you're going to get a good result at the end mm. of it. And I feel like for Grad Slate, you know, our big year where we kind of had this big production behind us and most of us chose to make short films. In your case, you were working on kind of a, uh, a comedic satire television type pilot for a web series right yeah and uh, you were the director of photography for that so do you want to just kind of tell us a little bit about what it was like working in a show that had kind of a three camera setup well we didn't really have to worry about like locations which was good 
which is one thing I was happy about. We didn't have to worry about weather. We didn't have to, because it was all in a studio. Uh, we didn't really have to worry about a lot of things that people would have to worry about in a place that is exposed to the elements. And I think that took a lot of stress off it, but also having to uh, think about more than one camera uh, was kind of tough because a lot of the time we had more than one camera shooting um, each different scene. Because so, you got to think about like the coverage, right? Yeah. Not only where the actors are, but then yeah. how the camera captures those moments. Yeah, yeah. It was like a lot of planning went into it, but then also we had to be a bit flexible um, because sometimes the, it didn't work out. Like you'd plan something and it would, you'd get to it on the day and you'd be like, oh, this actually doesn't work. So I'm just going to ditch the second one and just, yeah, just use this one camera. And, you know, we had issues with... Um, Oh, we had issues with one camera and like the like slow motion like one of the cameras wouldn't do wouldn't do a certain frame rate oh okay so yep. it was like we had to use a different camera which was a lesser camera than we wanted to use and so we had to grade it differently and those kind of challenges pop up because you're not just using the one camera mm. um but no i think i think it turned out well um yeah, uh, we, we should make it known to people who don't already know that uh, the project that you worked on was called Apocalyptico. Uh, it's actually a web series that um, is able to be found and seen on YouTube. So yeah. um, I might actually link it below for those who are interested in checking it out because um, it's yeah, it's like a kind of a comedic uh, satire type series that kind of focuses on this uh, one guy. He's like robot friend and like a zombie yeah. as well so it's yeah. like kind of a weird wacky concept yeah. um and uh yeah it was quite entertaining yeah. to see so I, I definitely recommend checking it out if you wanted to see what the uh griffith graduates got up to uh, in 2020 shout out elliot and matthew Fu. yeah they, they did some really good stuff on that project and uh, they worked really hard especially with matthew who was um caught overseas and wasn't yeah. able to easily get back into australia as a result of that yeah. with all the COVID stuff. So, yeah, um, yeah it's been a – it was an interesting last year, but uh, we got through it and uh, thankfully all the projects came together mm. um, and were quite enjoyable as a result. So, yeah. um, obviously, one of the things I did last year, though, um, was I worked on Outside Broadcast, which is a course that basically – um, is you go out on location and you film uh, a sport and you kind of bring that all together yeah. and to deliver as like a live stream. Uh, I think we did ours on uh, YouTube. Um, but, yeah, for our class, we uh, filmed a netball game uh, for the Griffith Social Sports and uh, I did that class and I was a camera operator for that. And uh, I, throughout my time at film school, was always interested in movie making. That was kind of my drive. I wanted to get into movies and kind of learn about how that is made because that was my passion. I love movies. Yeah. I love watching shows. Um, and then uh, through, it was actually in another class, uh, Dean Chercop mentioned uh, something about working in sport uh, with the Brisbane Lions and stuff. Yeah. And, I th and that was to me just a light bulb moment. I was just like, hey, I like sport. Hmm. I like filmmaking. Why don't I combine those two? Hmm and do that as a career. Mm. So that's when I then pursued um, uh, outside broadcast as a class and then I did some TV studio type stuff and like I mentioned, I really enjoyed that kind of teamwork environment. Yeah. And then uh, after doing outside broadcast, that's when I kind of you know, was like, all right, I really enjoy this. I like working mm -hmm. on a camera. Uh, I like working. I love being in a sporting environment with a crowd and you know, the chaos that is these you know, great athletes doing whatever they're yeah. doing. 
and I was like, this is what I want to do. So I'm going to pursue this and hopefully make it in the sport broadcasting industry. And uh, I feel very fortunate. I've been able to pick up a few different gigs, working for a few different companies here and there. And uh, you have been very similar. You've also uh, managed to weave yourself into the sport broadcasting world. And uh, I obviously work on a camera and you do a bit of a mixture of different things. So what about sport broadcasting was it that kind of was uh, your draw? Um, I would say that I always... I didn't, I didn't figure that out at film school. I always wanted to do it even before film school. Um, just, I don't know, it was always interesting to me even before coming to film school. So uh, it kind of, film school wasn't exactly, I wasn't focused on like, oh, I need to make this movie the best that it's ever done because it's going to go on my showreel because I'm going to try and make more movies in the future. I was more focused on just getting the skills that you need that are applicable from movies like camera handling cable wrangling stuff like that just the important stuff just yeah. like the phys- the actual physical skills that are transferable to be able to do that um, and I did outside broadcast and try to do everything that I could do with the same with the year before you with netball um, with Michael Boy um, and Jack who was amazing and uh, um, we kind of yeah we, we had a really good class and our teacher was really good um, so we kind of made a lot of connections and and then we did like the live studio show and I got to go on a bit of work, like a few days of work experience with NEP um, at Suncorp and I was like, yeah, this is pretty cool. Um, and so I, yeah, kind of finished film school and just kind of kept badgering the one of the ladies at NEP and just kind of banging on their door and being like, oi, let me in yeah. <laughs> and so eventually kind of got on a few unpaid gigs and then took a while but yeah I've done like I don't know 10 plus game days of uh, as camera assistant or cable hand that's great um, yeah rigging the cameras on like ranging from netball to basketball to rugby to rugby union uh, stuff like that so it's um it's it's fun but it's it's like hard it's definitely hard work and Mm. um long days it basically takes up your entire day and it's late night and it's one of the few jobs where you don't do much for the first seven eight hours and then you're all systems go for the last three so at the times when you're the most tired you're the most active so it's a bit it's a bit different. Like I don't know if any, I don't know if everyone could could deal with it because it's it's so different. You could. It takes a certain it, mentality. It takes it definitely, yeah. yeah. Um, but no, you just kind of slip into it. Uh, and, um, but I would also say that it's not like the the be all and end all. There's definitely so much more than just working for like Channel Nine or Fox Sports. Or there's so many, especially with live streaming being so big now. There's so many different production companies that are doing things that are well-paying um there's lots of opportunities um stuff like that it's it's more than just you don't have to always you don't have to strive to be you know working for fox sports or channel nine all the time because there's a lot of competition so you unless you're really 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 good and you've been there for a long time um you're not going to get as regular work as you'd like um so yeah and that kind of led me to pursue other things like um like other companies like red corner shout out to brian and andrew and ross and um yeah other companies like that and just doing a lot of live streaming stuff and probably learned so much more doing that than just sitting around you know observing because i feel like i'd learn more by doing 
yeah. that I'm observing. I echo those sentiments yeah. because yeah. I feel like when you're out on location and you're physically doing stuff, yeah. it's such a much a better way to learn because it's like you can get told how to do this sort of thing in a classroom and say, all right, this is how you know you connect X together with B and then C goes over here with Y. Yeah. It's just like you can, you can learn it like from an intellectual level but actually physically doing it and then memorizing it and then getting into a rhythm so that yeah. you can kind of get into a flow when you're in that work environment, I think is so much more beneficial. And that's why I think work experience and uh, sort of internships and yeah. any sort of opportunities like that. Yeah. And especially for people our age and who are going through this university system, um, getting that unpaid work and, and as we like to joke, you know, getting that exposure uh, <laughs> is sometimes not the best because it's like you, you're putting your name and you're, you're putting yourself out there and you're not getting a guaranteed result as it at, at the end of it potentially. But I feel, for, at least in my experience, um, the stuff that I've done work experience-wise has always been really beneficial for me um, because it's not only led to future opportunities um, and sometimes even yeah. employment opportunities, which has been really I'm very grateful for, um, but it's also just the th little things you learn along the way is very, very beneficial, I think, yeah. especially long-term because it's like, all right, I know this didn't work this time, so I can't do that the next time. I need yeah. to do this differently so that I can be quicker getting this ready to go and that sort of thing. And I yeah. feel like that's very important and you can't necessarily learn those skills in a classroom, if you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, I don't think so. I think that, yeah, it's so much more that you learn by doing um, just mainly like troubleshooting because they can tell you what it should be when everything's going right but it rarely ever goes perfect. So like you've got to be able to mainly just fix it when it's going wrong that's when you really earn your money is when because if, if anyone could just rock up plug a few things in turn things on then almost anyone could do it but it doesn't always work like that rarely ever works like that mm. you've got to troubleshoot and be able to fix things and yeah it's more like piecing a lot of puzzles puzzle pieces together to make a, a broadcast and so I know some people they look at you know, trucks, big trucks with all the wires going everywhere. They're like, how do, I don't understand any of it. I don't physically, I yeah. don't understand it. It just looks yeah, way just too looks, confusing. Yeah, but I'm kind of slowly getting to the point of like, okay, so that it all, it's looking less daunting because once you start setting it up and knowing where everything goes and it's, yeah, it just takes time. So, yeah. That's, that's very important is losing that sort of intimidation factor because when you, I remember in some of my early yeah. gigs, uh, walking onto these, you know, locations and seeing all these cables and, uh, all this you know equipment that's going everywhere and you think how do people like remember how yeah. to keep this thing afloat yeah but you realize when you kind of either compartmentalize your specific role mm. or when you're working with people who have a great mindset and know what they're doing in order to get abc xyz done yeah then i think it just flows so so very well yeah and just i think do your part exactly and if everyone's doing their part at 100 percent, then the team will work at 100 percent yeah and I feel like troubleshooting, like you mentioned, is a great skill set to have. And yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, I, I agree. It's very important. Yeah, yeah, true. And it's kind of like the, the sports that you're broadcasting, they have teams and everyone in the team that, you're, that are playing the game has got to do their part well. And when you're broadcasting, you're a part of another team. So it's like, it's kind of, it's kind of enjoyable that way where you're, you're not always out there by yourself. Um, yeah, because that can be a bit intimidating when something goes wrong. Mm. But yeah, it's 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 fun. It's just it's um, 
especially now with a lot of events being cancelled or up in the air when things, you know, things seem potentially dicey, like with any cases or anything, it's like, oh my gosh, is this going to get cancelled? Is this, you know, mm. you're the day before and you're sweating on an event because it's like, oh, is, is it going to get cancelled? Is it going to, are, are you going to, because you, your work is tied up in that, your livelihood and so. Especially when you work freelance. Yeah. Which yeah, a lot true. of us do. Yeah, yeah, so you're not guaranteed, even when you get booked on a, uh, you know, a job these days, it's not guaranteed because you're, yeah, far out. It's And you it's don't necessarily stressful. get yeah. the benefits of like sort of a part-time or full-time employment no. where you can kind of get like paid leave or any of that sort yeah. of stuff. So yeah, when you work freelance, it's uh, there's a yeah. lot of uh, uncertainty. Yeah. And another thing with working in sport is that most sport is done on Friday nights or weekend. <laughs> yeah. So Friday nights, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, yeah. So that's where most of your work is done. So that's where the majority of your income is made usually. Yeah. And not only is scheduling difficult because yeah. you've got to obviously manage all the different kind of sports that you want to do and yeah. uh, the different locations that you need to be at, yeah. but also you need to make sure that you know when stuff does fall through that you can kind of find a backup if you can, yeah. and that's sometimes quite difficult. And that's one of the things, obviously, this is my first year kind of working in the industry and kind of finding my footing and, and learning new ways of how to overcome these sort of challenges, especially in this COVID world, which is so unpredictable in the most annoying of ways. But I feel like maybe it might be beneficial in the long run, kind of learning these things mm. now as yeah. opposed to later in life. Starting at the hardest point, the most volatile point. Although we have been a lot less affected in Queensland compared to um, Victoria and New South Wales, because like if you were if you were trying to make it there, you would be so you'd far be behind. Spewing. Absolutely, you'd be, yeah, yeah, you'd be so far behind. But like, yeah, I feel like we'd be a lot further along without this obviously mm. um so well a company that you know is victorian based is a company called sportscast australia and yeah. uh they are predominantly do a lot of cricket and stuff in the victorian uh, area and some afl and all that but obviously because of the covid situation and a lot of the lockdowns and restrictions over there it's very difficult to get consistency with kind of you yes. know a, a schedule and work and all that so they're obviously trying to expand and they're obviously trying to expand in queensland as well so um little things like that is obviously beneficial for us because we kind of can get more work as a result of that because we are handling the COVID situation arguably the best of a lot of the other states but obviously the another thing as well is that, that australia is kind of in this delusion of like we can just eliminate COVID here no, and it's yeah, like exactly. you're, you're dreaming if you think that's going to happen can't. like you know I remember in the Northern Territory I think Darwin had one case and they shut everything down and I'm like I understand because it can spread so quickly but it's like it's just you're causing an inconvenience for something that is just it's it's not necessarily like closing down borders and cities for a virus that isn't necessarily going to like cause a huge large scale yeah. problem for yeah. everyone, and I, I'm not obviously discounting the the, the severity of the virus, and I, and I understand it's it's a very um, uh, it can cause a lot of problems for a lot of people. But you know, when you look at the stati the, st the statistics, the reality is 99% of people who get COVID yeah. recover from it. That's tr that's true, and um, I think that we're at a point now of we know, A, what happens when you get it. B, a lot of people are vaccinated and more people are getting vaccinated. C, the financial costs are starting to really, really rack up 
with people, especially with for the companies, yeah. especially for those people. Like, I think the way like money doesn't grow on trees. Money doesn't grow on trees. Uh, opportunities don't grow on trees, and unfortunately, your your days are numbered on Earth, where every day that you're stuck in this state of being in a lockdown or being in a a state of not being able to go anywhere because or do anything because you've got restrictions on you and your movements and lifestyle, that's a day that's 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 wasted. And I think that a lot of people are at a point of, I'm just going to try and keep living my life because you know, you could, unfortunately, you could get, you could get hit by a car tomorrow. You could, exactly, you, you yeah. could, we, we take our lives into our hands by living every single day. We, you know, we, we take public transport. We, you know, we, it's just things that happen every day that, you know, are dangerous, but we're just accustomed to them, like driving, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I'll say there's so many car accidents and yeah. so many deaths on the road. And yeah, I don't see yeah. road closures all the time. No. And it's, and it's like, it's like, I think, well, especially I am past the point of wanting to lock down for one case or two cases because it might spread because of the, just because of purely because of the the ramifications of it in in the in the long term. Like I think we're going to be feeling this for years, if not decades, to come after this. Not only the financial costs, like how much I think tax hikes will be coming, like tax uh, raises, like. Because how are we going to pay off the debts that we've incurred over this time? Um, and I think we've got to fig- figure out does the what I know human lives are immeasurable. You can't put it put a cost on a human life, but also how many other lives are being affected by prioritizing this? Mm. Um, no one this, wants to talk about the increase in depression, anxiety, and suicides yeah, as a result of these lockdowns. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the um, the effect on on students, on kids who are at a very vulnerable age, like 18-year-olds who are in their 17, 18-year-olds in their final year of year 12 who are, you know, incredibly stressed already. They'd be stressed already if it wasn't for this, but now they have to do all their stuff, a lot of their stuff from home. Um, And a lot of people just do not enjoy that online learning. I certainly didn't. So I can imagine even for people of that age in that sort of schooling environment would be even worse. Yeah. Yeah. It's... um, so the effects are, I don't think we're, we're, we're going to be knowing the full effects until years and years in the, in, in the future because, you know, at some point, most, like most people will be vaccinated and, and we kind of, it will go, go it won't go away, but it, it will become less of an issue, mm-hmm. but we'll still be dealing with the results of it, like the, the, the repercussions, I should say. Yeah, I agree. Like, yeah, and just like the toll on just, relationships of people like i can't i li- i can't imagine i don't want to imagine what it's like for people in new south wales right now like how hard it must have been they've been in lockdown for like three months now it's that's just insane like mm. you can't like three straight months and it's like you just see videos of um police checking people's ids before they go into the supermarket to make sure that they're a haven't been to the supermarket before and during the day or they live in the same area just like the the, it's, con- it's the control so... the control that the police and the government has now is it's very it's it's a bit it's a bit scary i'm not a full-on conspiracy theorist but 
it's it's it's. I think it's a slippery slope. It's a very yeah. slippery slope in terms of what's what's happening now. Because I'll, I'll give you a great example, right? So. Uh, last year when we had that terrible thing that happened to George Floyd and we had, yeah. as a result of that, the Black Lives, Letter, uh, Black Lives Matter resurgence and the movement and stuff and the riots and protests that happened in America yeah. and the destruction and, and anarchy that, yeah. co- that was caused from that. Yeah. And I used to look at that on the news and, and on social media and think, like, wow, I can't believe these people would do that and you know cause all this violence and stuff yeah. in the name of this movement, which is obviously yeah. very important. But... I was like, I can't believe that is happening over there. I'm so glad that nothing like that would ever happen here in Australia. <laughs> and then in the last couple of days, especially in the last yeah. couple of weeks, we've seen, you know, with Victoria and, you know, the Victorian Premier, Dan Andrews, basically, you know, ruling with an iron fist and be like, no, nah, you can't do this, you can't do that, stay in your homes, get vaccinated, otherwise you can't work. And people yeah. are like, hey, stop controlling yeah. my life 100%. I want to yeah. be able to do what I want to do. And yeah. obviously, you know, human safety is of paramount you know, it's very important, but at the same time, you can't control people because then you're just going to rebel as a result of that. Yeah. And you know, Victoria has seen the the consequences of that because of the way they've dealt yeah. with things. And uh, you know, I I was seeing that on the news, all the stuff and the protests that are happening yeah. in Victoria, and just being like, wow, I can't believe it's happening here. Yeah, Dan, and that's as Dan a result of, said that they can't. Uh, they're not going to. If you don't get vaccinated, they're not going to treat you in hospital. Mm. If you come in and you're like. Um, if you've got either COVID or you've got another illness, but you're not vaccinated, they're not going to treat you. Like yeah, that's, that's like that's like a basic human right that men and women have died for in in wars to be able to have that in Australia in a free Western society in a democratic society that is being stripped away because of some virus. Um, it's I think a lot of people assume the best in people. Um, and I'm not saying that they're out for full-on uh, totalitarian dictatorships, but power corrupts. Power is a dare, very dangerous thing. Power can make people do some pretty crazy things. Um, and without any balances, like, yes, we could, probably, we could likely get, like, vote Dan Andrews out or whatever, but what's that? that's like a year or two in the future. It's not, it's not right now. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of scary, and I don't think it's full on like nineteen eighty four. Like, it, it we're not quite in that scope, but it's like, at what point do you stop? Like, you know, at first it was, first of all, it was just just fifteen days to to flatten the curve. We want to we want to flatten the curve. Do you remember those days? We want to flatten so the curve. We want to, um, we want to bring it down. We want to stop our hospitals being over 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 um, overrun. overrun. And then it was we're trying to eliminate um, people coming in from overseas, um, and then we're shutting our borders, hard borders. And then when they introduce check-ins, like you've got to know when you're, where you've been at all times, at all the time. Every every shop literally has it. Every shop, even the other day at Riverfire, there were signs, there were like QR codes to scan of just being out in public in the mm. open fresh air, out in public when everyone's wearing masks and then they said they introduced like mask orders and introducing all this stuff when the death rates if there even if there is any or infection rates just keep going down and down and down especially in Queensland they keep going down and down and down and yet they're introducing more 
restrictions. More restrictions, like more. You've got to do. You've got to do this. You've got to. And now they're introducing mandatory vaccinations for um, construction workers or healthcare workers, um, teachers, people in the fly, in the aviation industry have to have to be vaccinated. And all these things just it just keeps stacking up and keeps building up. And it's like it's like at what point will they stop? Like at what point will the check in thing go away? Like what point? And they'll say, they said seventy percent vaccination. We'll, we'll, we won't do lockdowns anymore. Then they might shift it over, saying, oh no, it's now eighty five percent. And now soon enough, it's always a sliding scale. Soon enough, you won't be able to go places if you're not if you're not vaccinated. Like you literally won't be able. They'll have I I believe that they'll have signs in stores or. At sporting events, cricket, cricket Australia. You're not allowed to go to the cricket if you're not vaccinated. Mm. You're not literally not not even allowed to go into the into the crowd, especially if you're working there. If you're working for cricket Australia or in the broadcast, I found this out from NEP. You're not allowed to work if, unless you're vaccinated. Wow. And so the freedom freedom of choice is is something that is it's been taken disappearing. Away. Well, because you know what's really scary is that because this idea that oh the government can't force you know, this sort of vaccination mandate. And because a lot of people would push back against that because it's so obvious that the government is forcing you to do something. Yeah. But the sneaky way that they might do it, and I think that they already are, is that they're telling the employers and telling companies yeah. that if your employees yeah. aren't vaccinated, mm. they can't work. And I think yeah. it's a very sneaky and dangerous way of doing things because it's like, you know, well... Yeah, I, like obviously, but, well, let's state for the record, neither of us are anti-vax. We obviously no. believe in vaccination. You want to get vaccinated? I don't care. Go do it. Yeah. Like you can, you can do it. I, I might in the future if if I see no more, um, like no side effects or anything, um, or if I have to for some sort of travel reason, like if I want to go overseas, uh, which I understand because it's it's much worse overseas. Um, I don't know, like, but but still, like, I wouldn't I wouldn't kind of just do it just because someone's telling me to do it. Mm. That's 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 the yeah. that's the main point. Is that's, someone, that's the bottom when someone's line. Someone's forcing you to do something, and it's not coming from your own free will. Then we're in in trouble. Because mm. my simple perspective on it is, I think. You know, the government should obviously pay for these uh, vaccines and they should provide them to the public and say, this is what we recommend you do. This is what you need to do if you want to stay safe, especially if you're the at-risk categories. And I think that should be it. Mm. I don't think they should force it upon people yeah. because, you know, obviously, you know, especially in this modern world where we have so many, so much fake news yeah. and conspiracies out there, it's so hard to get the truth. And, you know... With the the reality is that uh, you know most people who get COVID you know recover from it, and yep. yes, there are some people who have very bad side effects and, and, and have bad yeah. reactions to it. But I don't think we should be moving to our slowest person. Yeah. I think we should just be moving with the majority. Yeah, and uh, yeah, there's people who have get uh, medication from the pharmacist who have bad side effects. There's people who have you see the list of side effects from you know uh, just. Any sort of drug that is is from the pharmacy, you look on the look on the list, and it's kind of scary. It's like, oh, you mean I might have like, you know, blood coming out of my eyes, something like that. Like you, you take a risk with taking those medications. You take a risk with anything a lot of the time. Like there's no nothing's guaranteed in life, and I don't think, I don't think that taking something just because someone told me to do it is a good thing. Like. I'm, I'm kind of on the uh, skeptical about that. I'm very, I don't know. I think it's coming from my my family. Is <laughs> my dad is very uh, skeptical about things, and um, 
yeah, I think that assuming the best and that people always want the best for you and there's no ulterior motives is not a very good thing. I think that, yeah, I think that people are, this is coming from a more Christian perspective, is that people are born sinful. People aren't, you don't have to tell kids how to be bad. You don't have to, you don't have to tell people how to do the wrong thing. So I think that that all that nature is always in people and to be able to say this is this is good like to, to tell them to do something good is is harder than telling them to do something bad and like that can sometimes creep in like what i was saying before with power corrupting people um and i think that a lot of people believe that there's always good in someone i don't necessarily believe that every single person has the best intentions for every every other person in life which is unfortunate but i think it's a reality Heavy. I agree. Yeah, heavy. No, no, that is heavy. I agree. But <laughs> no. I'll say, I think we'll, we'll leave it there. I think we've covered all yeah. our bases. Um, two quick things I wanted to ask you before we went on the rabbit hole of, yeah. of the COVID um, was with regards to sport broadcasting. Um, what do you think are some of the pros and cons of working in sport broadcasting? Pros or cons first? Uh, dealer's choice. choice. <laughs> pros, I would say you get to like be in a practical environment you get to be out uh outside but then there's times where you're inside as well there's there's a no two two gigs are the same um there's always different challenges there's always different things to deal with uh it's a lot of problem solving if you have an active mind and trying to figure things out that's definitely a good place to be um there's you know decent amount of money in it as well um the cons, I would say that it's long, long days, long hours. It's not guaranteed. Um, but a pro is that if you work hard enough, you can get almost anywhere and do almost anything. There's no real, there's no real place to stop in terms of um, advancing up the ladder. You can just keep doing it and you can always move into different areas as well. That's another pro. Um, a con is that it's so fickle in terms of COVID being events being cancelled. Um, oh, what else? Well, I can add two ones. Two so, cons. No, a pro and a con. Right. So one pro, um, I would say, is that it's a lot. Uh, I would say it's a lot easier to fall into what you want to do yeah. in sport than it is in movie making, for example. Yeah. So, just to use a very basic and easy example, if you wanted to be a camera operator in movies, yeah. Yeah, very difficult Yeah, because you've got to climb yeah. the ladder, you've got yeah. to be a cable wrangler or a runner or assistant then yeah. camera assistant and then first AC and then second AC and then maybe you might become a camera operator or yeah. a DOP one day. Yeah. But with sport, very easy to kind of – if that's what you want to do and you're good at it, yeah. very important if you're good at it, yeah. you'll get work. Yeah. So from that perspective, I think it's a con for the yeah. sports side is you kind of can easily slot into uh, the specific area that you want to a little bit easier yeah. than movie making. But the con – that I would address and uh, I suffered from this recently is obviously if you're working outside, it's very easy to get sunburnt. Uh, and yeah. uh, as you can see, I'm a little bit sunburnt from my gigs in the recent times. So yeah. yeah, that would be the con that I would say as well. The Murray got you. Yeah. 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 Um, that's interesting. Yeah. It, that, that's a good, that's a good pro. Um, 
What's another, what was the con you were going to say? Sunscreen. Sunscreen. Oh, that yeah, was the sunscreen. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that the tan that you get. Oh, I don't so tan. That's the problem. I freaking burn and then I peel and then I reset to factory settings. So it's terrible. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, but do you have any advice for people who might want to get into sport broadcasting uh, or have an interest in that area and field? Do you have any advice for them? Um, don't be afraid to like start doing anything because you'll eventually will kind of, like you said, kind of fall into what you want. Like you can start off doing audio and then just rank, like wriggle your way into being a camera operator. Um, you've just got to kind of start at the low, like a, a lower level because you've got to prove yourself before you can go and do a bigger, bigger thing, which um, actually that's what I was going to say with the point before with the pro is that say you want to be a DOP and you could be one, but you have to be on a very low budgeted independent film where there's not really much money or guarantee of any return whereas you could be you could do a camera on a schoolboy rugby game and get paid a, like a fair amount of money decent amount yeah yeah and you'd get this almost the same as being a camera operator for an NRL game you know but you're massively different exposure levels but you're still getting paid for it so that's that's purely from a money perspective I would say that's a good pro. Like you can, there's money to be made, especially in, with live streaming now. And the other good thing as well is living here in Australia, especially a sporting nation yeah. where there is so many sporting opportunities. Yeah. You got AFL, NRL, soccer, cricket, yeah. basketball. Yeah. So many opportunities yeah. for sport. And everyone wants so to just watch plenty, sport. Yeah. Plenty of opportunities yeah. to work. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, I'd say that there's there's lots of you just have a camera, a tripod, and stream it, and people will watch it. People love watching their kids play sport. So, especially yeah. in this new COVID world where yeah. people aren't as easily able, able to, to get out and yeah. potentially watch their kids or their you know, family members play. So, yeah, it's definitely uh, very important to be able to provide services like that. And, uh, yeah, like you said, there's, there's opportunities and money yeah. to be made. So, yeah. if you're interested in working in sport broadcasting, hopefully you can kind of take something away from, from that because uh, I yeah. think those were all very valuable tips and yeah. advice. So, yeah. Uh, now, the next thing I want to kind of drive into is uh, the AFL season yeah. uh, that we've kind of just seen uh, wrap up in the last couple yeah. of days. Um, for those who don't know, I'm a big AFL fan. So are you, Harry. Um, yeah. Obviously, big Lions, Brisbane Lions fans as well. And uh, I watched them go throughout this season. It was a very up and down season. The Lions went through some good patches and then we lost our momentum and had some yeah. Uh, bad injuries along the way as well. Very bad injuries. Um, Eric Kipwood and, uh, yeah, just lots of bad injuries. Cam Rayner at the very start of the season. So Gosh, imagine where we'd be if we had him mm. and it would far out. It, it would have been a very different season, I feel like, because, yeah. you know, the, the Brisbane is a team on the rise and we've yeah. proved ourselves, yeah. but we just can't get over that final hurdle of making it all the way. Yeah. And I think it's coming soon. Do you agree? I hope so mm. because... Yeah, I think you'd like to see um, a return for investment, emotional investment, because like I think there's there's not much worse than having such a big build up where you've seen it go from being bottom of the ladder, from being a terrible team losing by a hundred points, you know, just really struggling for attendance, for membership, for everything, and then slowly getting up there, getting a a bigger team, uh, a better team, a younger team, and, and growing those players, and then getting a few good getting an imports, experienced coach as well. Getting an experienced coach, just the the building the foundation the right way, 
building it up and then making the top four and then making the finals and then making the prelim final and then losing in the finals, it's like... It's such a deflating but thing. But like also I think you've got to be patient too. Like, you know, our players, our, a lot of our good players are still very young and a lot of the good players are still in their prime. Like Daniel Rich, Jared Lyons, Lockie Neal. Zorko, Lockie Neal, you know, players like Jed Danaher now, Harris Andrews. He's well, he's still young. Mm. It doesn't feel like he's young. Because that's because he's, he's been in the team. He's such a huge unit. Yeah, it's been a, yeah. yeah, it's been he's been in the team for it's five years now, but he's only like twenty two, twenty three. Like he's That's pretty crazy. Yeah, and like same with like McCluggage, players like that. Um the horizon yeah, is it's still it's really still there. Bright. It's not like just because we lost the last we've lost in the finals the last three years that everything's over, which is good because it could be for some teams. Some teams might see three years in a row losing and they'd be like, oh, it's over, just blow the team up, tank or whatever, or get a new like, coach. Like and, yeah. yeah, like get a new coach or they need to change something. But a lot of the time, it's just a bounce of the ball. It's just a bounce. Like it honestly is just a bounce. Like especially say, in this game. Say if we say if we won that game against Geelong at the start of the year when we should have when we the holding the ball in the pocket should have been called our way. Yeah. We might have finished a spot higher. Um, we might have been able to rest some players and not get injured. We might have been able to play a different opponent at a different time instead of playing the Bulldogs, which were, you know, one of the hottest teams in the league and just we just pipped them. To have you know to, to finish fourth. Yeah, they um, were on a great momentum run yeah. because they just had a dip in form at yeah. the end of the season and came into finals yeah. just bursting imagine, out of the blocks. Imagine yeah. if we played Geelong in the finals and they were on a on a on a downward slope and we beat them and we made the prelim. I, I mean, there's so many things that could have happened. So I think that you don't need to change anything if it's just because you lose at a critical point. I think so many other things and so many teams are good. Like, there's not like. They're like you know on on another day I think Bulldogs could have beaten Demons in the grand final. On another day you could have seen a completely different result. So it's just whatever happens, it's not guaranteed. So mm. I think that it's good to stick with the players you've got and like continuity. Yeah, I think that it, well, I think it's definitely still a window there for at least another two years, if not three. Yeah, if we just get some more, I think I don't know if we need more. We just need more luck. I think I agree. there's a lot of luck that it's involved. Well, something that I want to add on to what you were saying, and I find this quite interesting, is that the last three years that we've made the finals, the teams that we've come up against mm. were always the teams that made it all the way. So yeah. in three years ago, it was Richmond and GWS. We lost and lost. Yeah. And they end up being in the grand final. Yeah. And then uh, the year after, 2020, yeah. was um, oh no, I've just oh yeah, we beat Richmond. Yeah. And then we uh, lost to Geelong, and yeah. they both made it into the grand final. And then this year, we lost to Melbourne, and then yeah. we lost to the Dogs, and they both made it yeah. to the grand final. And so it was pretty close with the Dogs as well, wasn't it? It was, like, yeah. It wasn't like we only just got beat. Like It wasn't like we got thrashed. I don't even think we ever got thrashed this year. Well, Melbourne pu- group breeze past us in the yeah. quarterfinal. True. Anyway. But, like, we've always put up a fight, I feel like. I think like. that we've always put yeah. up a def- decent fight, so. And that's the good thing that is promising for <sighs> yeah. Brisbane, I feel like, is that they are a great team on the rise with a lot of young kids and the more experienced players that we do have, are, mm. uh, like you said, in their prime. So I'm very confident with the trajectory that we're going on and uh, there's nothing more I want to see in this world than <laughs> Dane Zorko and Chris Fagan lift that damn trophy. Yeah. Nothing more I want to see yeah. in the world. I think... 
especially for Fags. He's such a great coach yeah. and has brought such a great culture to yeah. the club. And I just love everything about him. Yeah. And I, I, I really a, want to see some reward for it's him. It's a very even season now. Like for the last maybe four years because of how dominant Richmond were, it was kind of like, oh, there's no one else that's really going to win it. But now you've got at least four teams, if not five, that you could see winning the whole thing. Mm. Well, that's why I love watching Next the year. AFL because it is such a consistently competitive competition. You know, yeah. like I remember a couple of years ago, West Coast finished bottom of the table. The very next year, they made it to the preliminary final. Yeah. So, like, it's so easy to go from these drastic switches yeah. of, you know, a team that's outperforming yeah. to then make it into the top yeah. eight or, you know, even make it all the way sometimes. And, yeah. you know, was, uh, over the last two decades, we've seen dynasties. We yeah. obviously saw in the early 2000s the Brisbane dynasty with um, 2001 all the way to 2004 making it to the grand final. You know, the three-peat, obviously. And then uh, we saw, you know, yeah. a, a great consistent run from Geelong yeah. Yeah. Um, this last uh, 15 or so years. And then most recently, we've obviously seen Richmond. Yeah. Uh, and before then was Hawthorne. Yeah. So there's been dynasties here and there, but the way that the competition is always flowing up and down, there's yeah. always a competitive aspect to it, is why I enjoy watching it and uh, why I mm. think it's very entertaining. Seagull Coast, there's always a chance. Like, don't give exactly. up. Don't give up the Suns because. Although you might have had some rough years, you might be able to sneak into the finals next year. Or if they get Matt Rowe healthy and fit, <laughs> yeah, he's going to be a weapon yeah. for sure. Yeah. So obviously you uh, didn't get a chance to watch the grand final live no. because you were working, working yeah. in sport. Yeah, that's another thing. For all the people who want to maybe work in sport, you've got to consider that you might have to give up a fair few of your Saturday nights and your Friday nights and Sunday mornings. And if you're someone who likes to go out clubbing, which I am not, you might... <laughs> want to reconsider or you know mm. something or like that or if you're a big fan of a club or a sport yeah. or something and you might have to miss because that was the yeah. big thing I struggled with is yeah. that um, working in sport I'm not always able to watch the Brisbane Lions yeah. play live yeah. which is sometimes disappointing but you know like it is what it is and I'm not yeah. going to complain about yeah. it um, but that's yeah. also yes I agree another thing to consider but then again I'm a big NFL fan baseball fan and, and basketball and those games in, the, in America they get played at times that are very good for someone who works on the weekends there's mm. someone you know they're always in the morning especially like Monday mornings and, and uh, during the week mornings so yeah it's kind of you give and take because if I had a regular 9 to 5 job I wouldn't be able to watch any of those games mm. so yeah. yeah, there's a balance to construct there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the grand final itself, um, I guess I'll just express my initial thoughts. I thought the uh, pre-game entertainment, did you watch that as well? No. Okay. When I when I watched so it just on, the on replay, it literally just went straight to the first oh, bounce. Oh, did it? Yeah, oh, well, who okay. was the, the, the actual entertainment? Uh, I'm sure you'd be able to find it online yeah, or will. something. But um, I thought the pre-game entertainment was superb. I thought it was really, really good. Um, the way the sunset over Optus yeah. Stadium in Perth, first time it's ever been played uh, there as well. And I think Optus Stadium is probably the most – it's the best stadium in Australia for sure. Right. Um, and just the way they used the lighting and I thought the music choices were Who really good. Uh, they had a, a, a few different bands. So they had um, – oh, I don't remember all of them off the top of my head, but they had a lot of big Australian people in there yeah. and some classic songs and all that. So I, I loved it all. It was really well yep. done. Um, however, the halftime show, did you see that? No. I didn't like the halftime show. Was it? it was um, someone, uh, the band, something in Tokyo. 
Birds of Tokyo. Birds yeah. of Tokyo. They're a, they're a Perth band. The Perth band, yeah. yeah. Um, you didn't like them? Their music's okay, but live, just live... Sporting events, live TV. It was bad. It's Live TV music yeah. broadcasts are terrible. Like, yeah. You don't get the sound right. There's always a bit of an echo. Um, I just thought, like, the vibe was just wrong. Like, it just... When you go into a sport... Uh, especially yeah. a grand final or a Super Bowl or whatever, you want to have upbeat, energetic, yeah. fast-paced, adrenaline-pumping music. And when you have these kind of like slow, oh, slow. and oh, casual yeah. songs, it's just like no. Because I was very yeah. fortunate to go to the but they're 20- limited. Sorry. You, yeah, you, you I, I was very fortunate to go to the 2020 AFL Grand Final that was played yeah. here in Brisbane at the Gala. Yeah. Yeah. And they had Shepherd play, yeah. the Brisbane-based band, um, play for the halftime show. And they yeah. were fantastic yeah. because they're upbeat, great music, and the um, visual display they had was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, this year just was a big misfire in my opinion. Right. Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a tough one because they're, they're limited. They can't get overseas acts to come here. Like, no... And I think it's actually great here. that they try to use the local artists that they've got at their disposal. Like, I actually yeah. like that as an idea. Yeah. However, even though it's a good idea, the end result was not good in my opinion. So. Right. Well, but, that's, yeah. but that's, that's, that's the AFL season done. That's it. That's mm. as, soon, as quick as it starts, as soon, it seems like it, it, it's as quick as it finishes. Like, mm. What did you think about the game itself, though? Like, did you think Melbourne were a oh. worthy winner? Yeah. Yeah. They just had the best players. Like, they just... Yeah, they're just kind of a force that couldn't be stopped at the end there. Because mm. they both have yeah. kind of similar play styles, the dogs and, yeah, and the demons. Yeah, they're very similar. Because they're both very fast-flowing, attack-orientated football on yeah. the counter. And I was of the opinion coming into the game that it's whoever has the best defence will win the game. Yeah. And I felt the demons stopped the dogs more mm. than the other way around. And yep. Melbourne were able to capitalise and yep. kick goals consecutively and yeah. uh, you know Christian Petrarca got a record high 39 disposals yeah. two goals and of course the Norm Smith medal and obviously Melbourne you know stopped that very long drought um, yeah. of you know winning a grand final so I, I think like coming into the game as not as a neutral I didn't really care who won I just wanted to see a good game and I'm of the opinion that if a team gets smashed in a grand yeah. final I instantly lose respect for you like I've lost all respect for GWS <laughs> even after the 2019 grand final defeat to Richmond yeah. um, and uh, even Port Adelaide in 2007 they got smashed by Geelong and it's taken them what like almost 15 mm. years to gain a little bit of respect out of me so uh, that's my opinion though okay. but even though the Bull- Bulldogs got smashed I still was thoroughly in- yeah. ent- entertained by the game and I think that Melbourne were the better team on the day, but like, yeah, I think it was still an enjoyable game, even though it was kind of a blowout at the end. Yeah, yeah, it tends to get a bit. Um, not every game can be amazing, and so it tends to get a bit um, boring at the end. But like, if you're the winning team, you love that because oh, there's no, yeah. there would have been no stress for the Demons fans. They'd been mm. like after th- three quarter time, especially they'd be kicking like, a goal on the on the final siren yeah. as well. You know, you've got all your players around you. You hear that siren, you celebrate yeah. together. Because another thing as well is if you're playing in the is regular, you know, play style, and then the siren goes and you're all spread out across the field. Yeah. It's like you're yeah. gonna find who's closest to you and celebrate yeah. sort of thing. But for them, it was a great moment because it was like you know they're all together. They got to you know huddle and you know, have that sort of embrace at the end and then yeah. they kicked a goal on the siren as well to just add in the extra yeah. celebration. So it was, yeah, a really good game and a, a really good result for the Demons. I'm, I am satisfied with the end result even though it was a blowout. And, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they can continue that form going into next year because they were the only team 
that uh, stayed. Well, yeah, they stayed top of the table for the entire season and then even made it all the way to the grand final and won the damn thing. So yeah. very, very impressive from the Demons, especially yeah. for a club that has struggled in recent times. Yeah, yeah, I still remember. Yeah, I still think of them as like team that can't quite can't can't quite get there, mm. even though they have now. Um, yeah, they've completely changed teams, the mindset. There's now. just teams that you just, yeah you just can't really like. I never I can't see Essendon, Carlton, ever getting to the point of being successful. Mm. I mean, It'd be I'm, interesting. People, people might have thought that about the, the Lions, although we did. That's do a good it, point. Yeah, in the early 2000s. So it'd be interesting to yeah. see with Michael Voss, who is an ex Lions player and coach, who's now taken on as coach of Carlton. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if he can turn it around. Yeah. So yeah, well, yeah. we will see. Um, but yeah, those were our thoughts on the AFL season and grand final. Uh, now I want to quickly transition into the English Premier League, yeah. the soccer that's been going on. Uh, football. Football, yes, absolutely. I'll say I remember going through high school and uh, uh, we always had rugby and uh, football. But obviously here in Australia, lots of people refer to football as soccer. Mm. And uh, I, it's, it's football. It's, it will always be football and AFL will always be footy. I'll accept that. I have like, I call like five different sports football. So mm. it just depends who you're talking to. Exactly. It's who you're talking to. And I guess, you know, the country that you originate from, if you're European and someone calls it soccer, it's like, oh, what the hell? Why yeah. would you say that? But anyway, um, not only do we both support Brisbane, but we also both support sports. the Chelsea Football Club. Yeah. And uh, it's been a very interesting start to the season. Mm. Uh, and uh, the English Premier League has never looked more competitive would you agree mm. yeah I think so maybe around when Manchester City started to become a power and Arsenal were good but then again Liverpool weren't good back then so yeah I think it's it's probably maybe not the most competitive it's ever been but it's definitely level with the most like it's it's been this competitive before, but it hasn't been this competitive for a while. Mm. I'd say. Yeah, because I, I think that you know, when you look at the teams that are pushing for top four and that most people would predict to, to finish in top four, you look at Manchester City, Manchester United, Liverpool, yeah. and Chelsea, and uh, you look at those teams, and they're all like obviously they've all got their pros and cons, but I think it's a very even race, and I think potentially yeah. any four teams could win it. Yeah, I am of the opinion. I think. Whoever finishes above Chelsea will win the Premier League. Yeah. So, it's, I, I, it's, so in other words, I think Chelsea's going to win it. Yeah. If they, um, I'd love to see it come down to like the last week or the last two weeks. Oh, last I few, hope so too. Last few yeah. years, it's just been a runaway winner a lot of the time. It's just been like Man City taking it all the way, Liverpool un- almost undefeated. I'd like to see it really close, like really tight. Um, it makes the yeah. last couple of weeks far more interesting. Yeah. And it raises the stakes exponentially. Yeah. It's one of the few times where I'd be okay. Like people, people say, "Oh, how can you not have finals? How can you not have postseason stuff?" And I'm like, "Well, it's it's just as exciting sometimes." Um, but then you have the Champions League, which Chelsea won, by the way. Champions, Ch- of, Champions Europe. of Europe. We know what um, we are. It's uh, yeah. You know, I think I love that stat that we're the only team ever to win every major competition twice. That's true, yeah. Two Champions Leagues, two European, two Europa Leagues, two FA Cup, two League Cup, two pre- two Premier Leagues, more than two Premier Leagues. But yeah, you know, that's like sick. At I least yeah. two. That's I never really thought about it, but yeah, you're right. And you just look that's at crazy. all the money that Ch- that um Man City, 
Man, like Man City have put into the getting a Champions League, all the money that PSG have and are still putting in to get a Champions League. And they still haven't, and they got, still haven't got as many. Just <laughs> even oh. double the amount of Champions League as yeah, Man City so and funny. PSG. That is so funny. Yeah, you know, yeah, dude. This year, even for the Champions League, is going to be a tough race because City is always going to be competitive. I think PSG have completely changed their team yeah. and they've got a deadly, deadly unit. Yeah, especially with the inclusion of Lionel yeah. Messi in that. Very uh, depressing situation yeah. that, that was for Barcelona fans and him especially. Mm. Um, but something else that happened in the Premier League was uh, the return of Cristiano Ronaldo to yeah. Manchester United. What were your thoughts on that return? Oh, it's a, a bit, I don't know, not predictable, but it's a good story. Mm. It's a good story. If I was a Man United fan, I'd be ecstatic, um, especially if I was my age and growing up with him already being in the team. But I hate Manchester United, so yeah. I don't really, I don't really care for them. So I don't really find any joy in them getting a good player. So no, I totally get but it. But it makes, yeah. I mean, it's not like the Premier League was lacking in viewership. It's not like that we didn't have any good players, and now suddenly we've got, you know, it's like kind of like the French league where. Oh, now we've got Messi. Our league is legitimate. It's like, oh, <laughs> no, Ronaldo, it's not. Ronaldo's just joining another a, a whole set of the great greatest, teams, the greatest great players, players. In, the, in the world. Hmm. And that's what the great thing that the Premier League, I think, has has accomplished is is now a draw for all these great players hmm. to come yeah. and play in this league because not only is it really competitive, but also the quality of football is really yeah. really high. Like even like. This is why I love the Premier League is that it's so the, – the results are never guaranteed. Like anyone right. can pop up and get a result. And this is why I love watching like Leeds United because they're a team that is destined to be mid-table at best. Mm. But because they play such a attacking style of football and because they're always out there to entertain the fans, you know, they're going to get a lot of bad results as a result of that. But at least they're entertaining and I respect them a lot for that because it could, you know, a lot of teams in the Premier League, like Burnley, for example, mm. like to just park the bus, sit back, let yeah. the other team have the ball and say, all right, try and get past us. Yeah. And that is not entertaining to watch. Yeah. You know, that's what Jose Mourinho got, you know, criticised for a lot when he was at United or even at Tottenham. It was this kind of sit back, mm. counter sort of yeah. strategy. And, uh, you know, it has its pros and cons yeah. depending on the players and the team. But, um, yeah, like even like when Thomas Tuchel came in, and completely revolutionised Chelsea squad. I, I think we, we both agree it's one of the most impressive transformations of a team mm. in quick succession. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because not only did he take over for Frank from Frank Lampard, who was, you know, brought in this amazing group of players, um, but he changed Thomas Tuchel changed the formation. He changed. A lot, he brought in a lot of the more experienced older players to kind of strengthen that back line. Yeah. And uh, and then he just utilised our great youth up front, and uh, yeah. I think it's worked obviously to our advantage yeah. with the Champions League victory. Is Pulisic so, still playing with them? He like is, with more like a lot of minutes. It, well, he's injured at the moment. That's yeah. the problem. Because like, I haven't yeah. seen him this this season yet. Yeah, he's yeah. only um, played I think one or two games, but yeah, yeah he. Um, he, I think he did his ankle right. or his Achilles or something. Yeah. So he's hard, out again. It's yeah, hard for it me sucks. to keep up as much as I, I used to. I used to keep up with all the sports and it's because of like so many different sports. Well, yeah, it's you tough. follow so many, and, so yeah. And plus, <laughs> plus actually working in sports, it's tough to like keep track of everything. And it's, it's literally impossible. It's like you wish you could do everything and have it. 25 hours in a day but you can't yeah I know I get that yeah and, and that's the tricky thing as well especially with a lot of these sports that are especially for us here in Australia a lot of the Premier yeah. League is played overnight at can't like 2 yeah. two, 3 in the morning it's like so there's sometimes yeah. it's like a bit tricky yeah um 
But yeah, then again, you know, it is what it is. The beauty of the internet, we can watch the highlights later. Exactly. Yeah. Which is a, a very great thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, so do you have any sort of predictions at this early stage? I know all the pundits in the media like to say, oh, this person's going to win this or this team's going to run away with it. I know it's way too early in the season to, to do stuff like this, but it's inevitable. I think do you have a prediction for I who's going to win it? If Lukaku wins the golden boot, we'll win the league. Okay. I think if Lukaku does well, we'll do well. I don't know. I, I don't like predicting success. Sometimes I don't like predicting success for my team because it sets me up for failure. Yeah, I know what you mean. It feels yeah. worse when they lose. Like if I kept running around saying, Lions are going to win it. Nah, no, no <laughs> doubt in my mind, Lions going to win it. Now nah, Chelsea's going to win it all. I would, number one, look like an idiot and I have a bit more of a wiser head on my shoulders and mm. I, know, I know that my teams aren't always going to win. I'm not like completely one-eyed. Like if I see a free kick against my team, I'm like, okay, yeah, he did hit him in the head. Like, so, yeah. Um, but then I guess you can't enjoy the highs as much as, as that. But whatever, I used to. And I, you know, I'd get into fight, like arguments with people about, no, nope, my team's better. No, nope, my team's better. And I'm like, these guys, it, it really doesn't matter. Like mm. it really, Especially honestly, when the quality is so high as well, when you're kind of just grasping at straws. Yeah, it doesn't, so. it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Um, so I would say I'd, I'd like Chelsea to win, but I don't, I don't think they, I think they might finish second. I might, I think it'll be a close race and they might just lose. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think it'll also be a close race and I think they'll just win. Just so that's, win. that's right. why okay. that's what well, I we predict. could be right. All right, cool. So um, the other thing as well with regards to Chelsea is the uh, Champions League defence that we're going to have to put on. I think it's going to be very, very tough for us to go back to back. Like I, I PSG are obviously the favourites with the team they've got. Uh, Manchester City are, of course, a quality outfit. And uh, who knows, there could be another team that pops up and does really well as well. I, I just... Like, as much as I would love to see us go back-to-back, I, I don't think... We, we could, but I don't think we will. What do you right. reckon? No, I don't think so. I don't think so either. I would it's, love to, Because it's even harder than the... It's even harder to win. It's the, the hardest competition to win. Yeah, because yeah. it's a knockout. Um, yeah, it's it's like you have one unlucky goal and that could mess you up for the whole... For the, Say you're in the quarters or the semis and you, you get one lucky, unlucky goal at the end of the last of the second leg and you lose. It's mm. like, well... All that hard work and it's gone. Nothing, so, yeah. yeah. But it just makes last year even more special that we actually won it, which was, yeah. Especially in the fashion that we did. Yeah, with it was Thomas such a Tuchel young, coming in young and, squad as well. Yeah. And, and that's another good thing similar to what we were talking about with the Brisbane Lions is that, you know, we have a, a young squad with a great uh, list of experienced players as well. So that sort of combination sets us up for yeah. success, I feel like. So yes. I agree. If Lukaku's firing and kicking goals, we're going to do really yes. well this year. So. Now, I really want to talk about the Ravens. Okay. Let's talk about... No, I'm kidding. We, can, we don't have to talk about NFL at all. Uh, no, I don't know fine. much about NFL. So yeah, I know, I know I you don't follow like it. follow NFL, but like... Sorry to date this, but it's a Tuesday today and the NFL happened yesterday. And yeah, also, the Ravens, you want to talk about it, The Ravens won in one of the greatest games... Not greatest games, the greatest finishes I've ever seen. Okay, tell me about we, it. We basically, there was about 35 seconds left and we were down by one, one point. Uh, they, the Detroit Lions kicked a field goal and we marched our way to about halfway. Um, and if you know about NFL, a field goal is worth yep. three points where you've got to kick it between the uprights from a, from a spot. And a 50-yarder is really good. 55, pretty good. 60 is like, whoa. The NFL record is 64 yards, which I don't know what that is in meters, but it's a long way. It's a long, long way. It's probably about 70 meters. Um, and so 
our kicker, the greatest kicker of all time, Justin Tucker, goes up to the point and he is kicking from 66 yards. Oh, shit. So it would have been an NFL record if he made it. He strikes it. It doinks off the crossbar, you know, the little, yep. little crossbar, bump, jumps up in the air and then falls just over. So he just, he literally oh. only just scraped it 66 wow. yards at the buzzer to win the game wow. by two points. That's awesome. NFL record field goal. Insane. Like the To be- do it in that fashion as well. To win the game, yeah. yeah. A lot of teams, well, a lot of the times, they've that 64-yarder was at the end of the first half when they kind of, it was just a desperation thing. And he, he yeah, he, he kicked it. And that was, yeah, that was like a record. But this was to win the game. It was, yeah, insane. Like I, Dude, that's a pretty cool story. I'm going to have yeah. to check the highlights out for that. Yeah. Well, to wrap this conversation up, I would say... Working in sport is definitely something that's quite enjoyable if you have the personality for it, if you enjoy sport and like working in an environment where you have to troubleshoot and uh, work in a team-based environment. I think it's definitely worth pursuing. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'd say it's a good combination of – it's like almost like being a a tradie but also like being a technician, like being a geek and a tradie. It's kind of a marriage of the two where you need to I've never be, thought of it that way. But you need to be rather yeah. physical, like you need to carry a lot of gear. You need to, you know, sometimes you're on a camera and your arms are getting pretty sore. Or it's the camera's on your shoulder for a long yeah, time. Yeah, and it's getting yep. sore and you've got to walk a lot of places. You've got to walk pretty far and that kind of stuff. So it's a bit physically demanding but also mentally demanding. So it's a it's a good mix, yeah. Uh, I think it's... A, it's um. A good marriage of those two, and um, I think it's it definitely sets a different a certain personality type, yeah. But there's definitely a lot of, especially now, there's a lot of like work in it. Not not just sports live streaming, like regular live streaming. You know, you can you can just have a have a broadcast. Um, what do we call it? Like conferences. Mm. It just anything. Just people want to watch things online. Like it's, or it's even so like easy funerals now. and stuff as well. Funerals, weddings. There's so much stuff that you can you can do um, with the same skills that you can learn for for sports. So yeah, I'd say if anyone in film school is like wanting to pursue something other than um, classic movie making, but still using skills they've learned, is there's a definite avenue there. Yeah. I think that's a great way to end this podcast. Thank right. you very much, Harry, for coming on. That's all right. I really, really appreciate it. I think you've added some very valuable things to this conversation and uh, some interesting things to, to food for thought, cool. if, you, if you will. It's so. an important conversation. I'm glad we're having it. Yeah. And uh, the last thing that I will say for those who are subscribed to the Critic Kebab channel, make sure you keep your eyes peeled because I will be attending the NRL Grand Final here in Ooh. Brisbane at Suncorp Stadium. That's exciting. Match vlog will be there. I am looking forward to it. Hopefully it's a good game. I don't care who wins, Panthers or the Rabbitohs, but hopefully it's a good game. And, uh, yeah, look forward to that. So uh, thanks very much for watching or listening wherever you are around the world. And uh, I will see you in another video very soon.